This is episode number 44 with baseball statistician, analyst, and writer Ryan Spader. In this episode, Ryan goes over his background in baseball and actually how he got started. Um, He actually is not technically full-time in baseball right now, but you would think he is with the amount of information that he knows and he puts out on social media on a regular basis. Um, Ryan is, is pretty famous right now for having a Twitter account at the Ace of Spader in which he gives baseball statistics that normally you wouldn't ever even think of looking up um, in terms of, you know, talk about, for example, Tony Gwynn never striking out in over 100 play appearances against Greg Maddox and John, and John Smoltz, for example. Um, just some a pretty cool stuff from a baseball standpoint that you normally wouldn't uh, know or think to know. And he's also a writer. He writes for the Sporting News. Um, he's going to have his own baseball show co-hosted with someone else this upcoming uh, spring. And he's just someone who I would definitely be following, again, at the Ace of Spader as his Twitter account. So make sure to go follow him and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. I am Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. I am currently giving hitting and pitching lessons for all ages. If interested, please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and let's get to work. We are now live with Ryan Spader. Ryan, how's it going, man? Going good, Pat. How you doing? Good, man. I mean, I've been uh, following you on social media for a while, and you've been putting up some crazy um, tweets, some s- statistics. Uh, how did you get into baseball? Like, from the back from the beginning, at the very beginning? Uh, my, my family's a big baseball family. My father always, uh, you know, we, I was raised to learn the game and love the game. Um, I fell in love with it. A funny story is uh, my dad took me to see the Phillies play, and I was probably like seven or eight years old. And I uh, was reaching for a foul ball. We were sitting by first base, and I, I fell over the rail. And uh, Rico Bronia, if you remember that name, um, came over and picked me up, gave me the baseball, and uh, put me back in my seat. And, you know, ever since then, uh, Rico ended up hitting a go-ahead home run in that game. And ever since then, I loved the game. Um, in terms of, you know, getting into the statistics side, um, shortly after that, or maybe when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I uh, really got into baseball cards and, you know, the numbers on the back of the baseball card. And uh, one thing that I specifically remember that I sort of consider my intro to advanced metrics was uh, Scott Rowland for years would win gold glove after gold glove. And uh, he would finish like fifth or sixth or seventh in fielding percentage. You know, my young mind wasn't able to comprehend that. So I'd ask my father, how's Scott Rowland winning these gold gloves? I mean, you know, we love watching him and everything, but, you know, he makes so many more errors than say Chipper Jones or something. And my father explained to me that uh, Scott Rowland makes errors on balls that Chipper Jones doesn't even get to. So that's what I kind of consider my uh, intro to uh, advanced metrics. Um, as far as the whole Twitter thing goes, I, uh, in 2012, Cliff Lee uh, had what many considered a, a down year in Philadelphia. He was six and nine. But uh, if you looked at all the other numbers, 
I mean, he was regular old Cliff Lee. He really had a great season. And, uh, you know, Brian Kenny was very much into the whole kill the wind win thing at that point, and I got on board with that. And I looked at some of the other numbers and uh, with the goal of proving that Cliff Lee actually had a pretty good season. And I, I figured out that he was the first pitcher with uh, at least 200 strikeouts and fewer than 30 walks in a season since, get this, Cy Young in 1905. Wow. So, yeah, I, I so I call, started calling into Philly uh, radio stations that are you know bad mouthing Cliff Lee, and uh, and um, I uh, I was trying to tell them you know this this, this crazy statistic, but as soon as you start t- uh, trying to talk statistics on the radio, you know they'll hang up on you. They don't want anything to do with you. So I, I was trying to figure out how I could best disseminate this um, this you know fun fact that I came up with, and I decided to start a Twitter account. You know. Fortunately for me, it, it caught on a little bit. Uh, you know, a, a lot more people are into these um, stats that you can't really find on the back of a baseball card. And, uh, you know, it's it's really flourished and become a, a, something that's really cool for me and, you know, hopefully cool for everybody else, too. No, I, I agree, man. I mean, first of all, the Philly, the, the media in Philadelphia it's and the fans, are they're tough, man. I mean, it's not – they're not, not easy to please, I'm sure, as you know. Um but I, I completely agree. I think a lot of people just they don't like the facts, and like I feel like uh, sabermetrics and just statistics in general are just the straight up facts, and it might go against their personal opinion. Um, let's talk a little bit about. I'm in Cincinnati right now, so I live in Cincinnati. Joey Vado's obviously our guy here. Um, I've been reading some of your, you know, some of the things you've been posting about him. I mean, it seems pretty clear to me, right? He's the best hitter in baseball. Is that? your opinion as well? So, what I call Joey Votto is, uh, uh, I'm going to go back to a comparison that uh, people would often make. And, you know, during the late 80s, early 90s, it was uh, Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn, right? Right. And um, Tony Gwynn is considered by many the greatest hitter of a generation. And I'm willing to concede that. I think Tony Gwynn, probably the greatest hitter of that generation. But Wade Boggs was a better bat. Uh, Wade Boggs took his walks where Tony Gwynn was never one to really get on, uh, get on base by way of walk, put his bat on the ball on any ball. Um, but, you know, you could count on Wade Boggs for 200 hits and 100 walks uh, every year. And that's how I look at Joey Votto. I, would, I don't know if I would say he's the best hitter in baseball, you know, maybe, but he is certainly the best bat. I mean, you're, you're looking at a guy who um, has led the league in on-base percentage, uh, I think, in um, six of the last eight years with the gap being, um, I think it's uh, 2014 and 15. And in that gap, he still had a 440 on base percentage. I mean, that is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you're, you're talking right there with Barry Bonds in terms of on-base skills. So um, Joey Votto, as far as being the best hitter in baseball, I, I, I don't know. When he, when he puts the bat on the ball, is, is it the most effective? Um, you know, he's definitely up there, top five probably, but uh, by far and large, the, the best batsman and the best bat handler in baseball. And, uh, it, you know, he's, he's really something, you know, if I had, I had a kid, I would tell him to emulate this guy. This guy's choking up when he has two strikes. Um, he's fouling pitches off. Uh, I mean, he's, he's just an absolutely incredible, uh, absolutely incredible baseball player. Who do you like as the best player in baseball or best hitter in baseball right now? If it's not Vado, like who, who do you think? Uh, you probably got to go. Uh, 
goodness, I, it's hard not to say Trout, honestly. Um, I, but I do think, like I said, I think that Votto is a better bat. Um, but, you know, Trout, in terms of when the bat hit meets the ball, he's probably the most productive overall. Okay, that, make, that makes sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about sabermetrics. Um, a lot of people, they get kind of, I feel like, intimidated by them. What's your favorite statistic from a sabermetrics point of view? Is it wins above replacement, something else? No, I, I like, um, honestly, so my, my qualm with the wins above replacement is we still have a lot of work to do in terms of figuring out just how valuable defense is uh, and how to factor that in there. Uh, a lot of writers, you know, you see these guys who are voting Omar Vizcoil for Hall of Fame over, uh, say, Edgar Martinez. That's, to me, that's absurd. Uh, I don't care. No amount of defense makes up for uh, the 60% uh, offensive production difference between the two of them. And uh, my school of thought is, uh, in terms of the greatest fielding shortstop of all time uh, and just a really, really, really good fielding shortstop, there's probably not that much difference in terms of value added. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the squirrel, but, uh, you know, in terms of defense, uh, it, Jimmy Rollins isn't far off. And, you know, nobody's going to say Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer. Probably, you know, maybe some Philly writers or something. But uh, So my, my favorite, I'd probably go with, I like, um, if you're going with baseball reference, OPF plus and ERA plus. And then if you're going with uh, fan graphs, they're uh, – Woba or uh, Weighted Runs Created Plus and uh, their uh, FIP minus. I, I like these stats because you can, on a sort of on an even playing field, compare, uh, you know, a Greg Maddox to a uh, Sandy Koufax or Barry Bonds to Babe Ruth. Um, it, it, it really just uh, levels the playing field for um, what their uh, what their competition's doing. What the uh, what kind of ballpark they're playing in, what the run environment is, and um, I, I think that those are extremely extremely valuable um, when you're making comparisons. I mean, you, you can't you can't compare a guy's uh, on base percentage today to a guy in 1968 because 1968 was so pitching heavy. And so uh, with these, you know, uh, OPS plus, weighted runs created plus, whatever have you, you can really have a, a more fair comparison and a, a better look as to, uh, you know, which players better regardless of generation. Do you think that all uh, players who have been linked to PEDs, um, Bonds, Clemens, all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, well, I don't think all players who've been linked to PEDs. I know that's not what you're saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, no, time, yeah no, but, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, McGuire, they, they are, they're all Hall of Famers, absolutely, uh, by far and large. And, you know, truth be told, there's a lot more uh, players who are associated with PEDs that the public doesn't even know about. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not one to out anybody, but, you know, there's some players that I know who have done these things, and, you know, their name just has never been drugged through the mud. Um, Mark McGuire, uh, somebody who I talk about all the time, this guy shouldn't just have a plaque in Cooperstown. He should have a, a, a statue outside the museum. I mean, the guy saved baseball. Uh, 1998, of course, was huge for baseball, but uh, people often, whenever I say McGuire uh, deserves a statue, you know, they want to say Sosa, too. And Sosa was great, but he really wasn't a part of that home run race until June of 1998 when he hit the 21 home runs in a month. And uh, 
McGuire was uh, chasing that record in 95, 96, 97. And they, of course, Griffey was right there, too, with the back-to-back 56 home run seasons. But uh, once McGuire got his health together, he really pieced it together. He, uh, you know, he, he had eyeballs on him all around the entire country for that three, four-year span. And, of course, capped it off with the 70 home runs. Uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, and I believe a lot of these guys, I mean, Mark McGuire left $30 million on the table. Uh, it just doesn't add up to me. He, uh, he probably was forced to retire, same as Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, I, I believe, was blacklisted and, in a way, forced to retire. Um, you know, and it's a shame because we missed out an opportunity seeing a guy uh, hit 800, 900 home runs. And uh, it's at the same time, then we're going to end up butt dealing into the Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy knew this stuff was going on. He needed it to go on. And uh, if you're going to allow the enabler to be in the Hall of Fame, how can you say the players who save baseball shouldn't be in? Well, Hank Aaron, he's a, he's even admitted to taking amphetamines, right? Of, of course. And this is a, another argument that I use all the time. You got Henry Aaron, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Pete Rose. <clears throat> Pardon me. All these guys... Uh, uh, are admitted uh, users of greens or amphetamines. Um, Pud Galvin uh, used to use a uh, monkey elixir. Um, this in, and this is the 1800s. There's a there's a story about Babe Ruth in the 1920s injecting uh, serum from sheep testicles and uh, getting a bad batch, and he ended up having a, a short year, like 90 games or so, in uh, 1925, I want to say. And uh, you know, oftentimes I get the argument that, oh well, you know. Uh, Steroids are much more potent than amphetamines. And, you know, that may be. Uh, I've talked to some ball players who've taken both, and they say amphetamines are better. But uh, it's at the end of the day, you got a guy taking the best thing available at the time to try to get an edge. I mean, if, if, if these guys in the 70s were taking, um, taking uh, amphetamines so that were so readily available. What if anabolic steroids are readily available? I'd be willing to bet that, you know, if they're willing to try one, they'll probably try the other. Um, I'm not, you know, maybe not, but that's just my school thought. If, if I'm going to do one, I, I, I would do the other, you know? Oh, 100% agree. Ryan, you're obviously really passionate about this. Uh, you know a lot about baseball. Have you ever thought about getting into baseball full-time and working, like, for an organization or for a network or something of that matter? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I'm trying to get more involved. I'm actually going to be doing my own uh, show with, uh, I shouldn't say my own, uh, a show with um, Holden Kushner, and uh, we're going to start out once a week. Uh, it's going to kick off this uh, end of February, and then uh, we'll see how it goes uh, during the baseball season, maybe uh, uh, ramp it up a little bit if we uh, if we have some interest. But uh, I'm kind of uh, hampered with my uh, day job. You know, once Uncle Sam lets me go, I would like to be uh, be involved in baseball full time, uh, whether that's uh, some sort of front office uh, deal. Um, I, I, I truthfully, I know I do a little bit of the writing with uh, Sporting News. I did the Buffalo News this year, um, and then you know I had my book. But uh, I don't fancy myself much of a writer. I like the numbers. I want to help a team win baseball games, um, or uh, even uh, you know maybe do uh, some sort of thing with a player agency. You know, help players make their money. Uh, and that's something that I've been involved with a little bit. Uh, I helped uh, helped out on some arbitration cases. Some of the guys involved with Vantex I provided uh, statistics for. And you know, that's, part of me again. That's um, 
that's something that you know I'm I'm really passionate about. I I, I think that uh, the players, you know, they deserve to get paid, and uh, I, I like helping these guys out. Um, I've made a lot of friends doing it. So it's you know definitely something that going forward I I, I want to be involved with. What do you make of like Hosmer and Mustakis and all these guys who still haven't signed yet, which again affects all the lower level players who aren't getting signed as well? Right. Um, it's it's kind of like a uh, in a way like a, I, I guess I compare it to the real estate bubble. You know, it was these contracts have gotten so huge that it was down to first at some point. I think they'll end up uh, signing uh, shorter term deals. Uh, one example I'll give you. Uh, I think. Uh, now there's no insider information, you know, no Ken Rose tolerance. But I think uh, I think uh, Jake Arrieta is going to end up signing with the Phillies, and I think that'll be about a three-year deal worth ninety to hundred million. And the reason, um, if you look at it, that signing would be very similar to what the Nationals did with Jason Work years ago, and how that really helped that franchise take off. You know, you get that big name back in Philadelphia, and you start uh, start bringing passion uh the fans passion about baseball back out and you uh you really uh revitalize that system i mean you look at their lineup it's it's a pretty potent lineup and if hoskins can even be uh, a shadow of what he was last year you know he's going to be a very dominant bat their outfield is solid they had this santana signing which is great um they have some great young ball players and alfaro and crawford uh you know of course i'm a little biased being from philly but uh there's uh, their starting pitchers uh, are looking pretty good, so I think that they're you know maybe one or two moves away from uh, from actually compete. And uh, I think the Arietta signing, potential Arietta signing, I should say, is uh, is key. And uh, I I really look for them to make that move. One last question here: greatest all-around player of all time? Kill me uh, all around. Let me give you two. So, I, of course, I saw uh, Barry Bond. To me, that was just, I've never seen anything like this guy. I mean, he was putting up slugging percentages that were o- better than OPS. The guy was amazing. Getting on base at a 60% clip. I mean, he had a span during, uh, uh, during his home run peak where he had 80 home runs over the span of 160 games. I mean, a home run every other game. The guy was remarkable. But then, uh, you know, the, the military guy at me uh, looks at, like, a Ted Williams. This guy, uh, one of the greatest hitters of all time. And by and large, lost seven seasons to World War II, to Korea, and then, uh, you know, a number of seasons due to uh, injuries. I mean, the guy had a, a crash landing that left him badly battered. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that. And, and yet he still was able to produce. Uh, the one thing that Bond has uh, that uh, Williams didn't was, you know, Bond could leg it out. Uh, Williams was always a little bit slower. Uh, but it, I, I'd really go one or the other. And, you know, of course, Dave Bruce, you can make the argument that he was a great pitcher as well. And uh, that's great. Uh, I mean, he really changed the game. Uh, I, I mean, he just started the live ball era. You might as well call that the Babe Ruth era, right? But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's got to be one of the three. Um, but it's hard for me not to say Barry Bonds having been able to watch him do what he did. And if, if I remember correctly, Ted Williams missed, I believe, uh, the prime of his career going over and fighting. Yeah. Yep. So uh, 
the example that I often use is uh, Jose Altuve. His last three years, he's been remarkable, right? Right. Uh, well, those are the years that Ted Williams missed. His age, 25, 26, and 27 seasons. Uh, and then he missed again when he was, I think, 30 and 31. So you look at the quality of those seasons uh, of you know some of the greatest players of all time, and it just really makes you wonder. Uh, Ted Williams, he, what, how many home runs would he have hit? You know, 800 is not out of the question. You know, you're probably talking 5,000 times on base. But uh, I think that's part of what adds to the legend of Ted Williams. I mean, the guy's a combat veteran. He uh, flew 39 combat uh, missions during Korea, uh, was awarded three air medals. I, I mean, it's, it, to me, it just adds to the legend of how great of, uh, of an individual Ted Williams was, for um, not just for baseball, but for this country in general. Ryan, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, make sure to go follow him at the Ace of Spader. He's also the author of Incredible Baseball Stats. And Ryan, I really appreciate your service to the country as well. Pat, thanks a lot for having me. And I got—I got to say, I'm the, I always got to give my uh, my buddy Kev credit. I am the uh, co-author there. My uh, co-author, Kevin Ruby, of course, uh, helped me out with that, and uh, wouldn't have got them without him or uh, without the generous forward by the great Wade Boggs. <laughs> hey, really appreciate you stopping by today, Ryan. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. 